Welcome to Kapwa Conversations, a podcast that amplifies the voices of Filipino, Philippine ex folks in the health and wellness space. We use the indigenous wisdom of Kapwa, or shared inner self, to connect, inspire, and remember that we are all connected. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show and be in Kapwa together. You can also help spread the word by sharing today's episode on social media and tagging us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. Without any further ado, here's today's conversation. Hi. Hi. On today's episode of Kapwa Conversations, we have Jewel Salas. She is a dear friend. And she's actually here in person today, which is a rare treat in this day and age. But just to tell you all a little bit more about her, Jewel Salas is a queer Philippine ex artist, feminist, personality, and activist. Originally from New York, grew up in Old Bridge, New Jersey, and now residing in Los Angeles. Jewel's work embraces body positivity, feminism, and queer representation. As a queer artist, she felt the sense of urgency to create safe spaces and has been inspired by making people feel a sense of connectedness. I know I'm feeling that connection right now sitting next to her. Um, I'd love, Jewel, for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little more about um, the work that you do in the space that you're in and your connection with Filipino and Philippine ex identity. Oh my God, I'm so honored. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I just am exploring a new version of myself in this new space as well, being that we're in the middle of a pandemic. So again, an honor to be right next to you. Um, and recording this, but uh, I uh, identify as queer, uh, Filipinex, uh, not offended if anyone calls me Filipino or Filipina. I understand where that stems from, so all welcomed. Um, and yeah, I uh, explored my queerness in LA and realized that there's not enough spaces for both Black, Indigenous, people of color, and queer folks. So here we are, and I'm hoping to help facilitate some of that. Yes. And I, you know, as somebody who I know Jewel very well and have really been admired. Yes. (laughs) With all the growth discovery and how much she's poured that those discoveries into her work. Um, I'd love to, if people don't know, um, Jewel and I danced together on Mint Dance Company for a few years, and then we worked together at House of Movement, where Jewel taught class. Aww. So yeah, we go, <laughs> we go way back. Way back. And yeah, I'd love to hear a little more about your journey as an artist, from starting off more in a dance movement space, and then really branching out to so many different areas that I think have really been inspiring a lot of people. Wow. Um, Actually, what's funny is a lot of my House of Movement moments and teaching there and being an instructor has bled into my work right now. Mm. I consider myself Uh, I try to consider myself an educator and a lot of that 
practice came from being a teacher at House of Movement for beginners dancers. Folks, if you don't know that, I was a beginners dancer uh, instructor for House of Movement. Uh, helped a lot with uh, breaking things down uh, in layman terms. And so a lot of my work as well on Instagram is very transparent. I love to show everyone the process and I teach them the process and I'm super vulnerable and transparent about my life and how I'm learning about myself uh, through my posts and through my stories. And I feel like my stories is going to relate to someone out in the world who may be experiencing that, who might not know how to articulate those things or even visualize those things. So, uh, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> no, that's what this is about. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, let's start with my dance journey. Danced with Paul. Uh, what was it? 2000, like, well, 12, 13. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, I didn't meet you. I met Pear. Oh, I think that's right. Shout out, Pear. <laughs> Pear introduced me to you as an instructor. And I think I taught like a pop-up and that you took. And it was very like, oh, it was called, oh my God, it was called some type of body movement class. I oh, think it was exploration. A exploration of movement or something. Like Whoa, that. who even came up with that? <laughs> she did. I know, like, where does that even come from? I can't even remember. But yeah, we did a exploration uh, body movement class which if I can remember and chime in, because I'm trying to remember mm -hmm. what that class was about. I, I talked a lot about moving one part of your body. We isolated like just the head and explored how many ways we can move that and then our chests and then our arms. And then it just like started to bleed into different body parts. And the, the goal of that class was to get outside of choreography, which mm. was a big uh, focus for us as choreography dancers. And that class, I was, I was exploring that. Even though I didn't really fully understand my own body, I wanted to explore it with other folks. And it's really cool how many people ended up showing up to that class and really felt a sense of connection and we enjoyed it so much. And then that's when you asked me yes, that's to true. be a teacher. And I was so honored. I was like, okay, Paul doesn't know I haven't taught a lot. <laughs> the <laughs> imposter syndrome oh, set in. Oh my God, we're, talk, we're going to talk about all we're of that. Oh that. my goodness, it's all bleeding. And I was like, okay, I'm all about faking it till we make it. So, And again, you yeah. probably understand this. I, I feel that, yes. <laughs> being just a person of color, marginalized, take what you can get. And it was something I wanted to step into, but I was really scared. And I was, again, that imposter syndrome mm. started to bubble up. I'm like, I'm not good enough for this, but you know what? We're going to pretend we are. Hopefully that works. <laughs> yeah. And as somebody who observed it, I, one, I totally didn't think that you were having those internal thoughts because oh I, God. I, your confidence at that time I think at that moment you might you might have had your red hair I did because you had many different looks. this is a podcast but if you look at Jules Instagram and see her looks they're 
all signature and striking. And they I think, were. Yeah. Old. I think at that time you had this kind of Rihanna 2010s yes. <laughs> look going oh on. Oh my God. At the time too, I just got onto Rhythm City. Mm. Um, well, they were having a training team. And so that brought me a lot of confidence as well. And it, you know, like when you trademark like a name that big who was on like ABBC and like here's someone that's entering that world, you kind of look the part, even though I didn't feel the part. <laughs> I think, yeah, all of that, like knowing that you had that background and that you were teaching this class, which for a community of mostly choreography-based dancers to have such an open-ended opportunity to explore the limitless potential that your body has yeah. rather than somebody giving you choreography and fitting yourself into that felt revolutionary. Wow. <laughs> and I, I think this. yeah, and I think it is because you know we we don't really get opportunities to reflect in our past. Yeah. So I feel that way. And I think this podcast and, and these conversations help us think how full circle or how connected our experience has been oh my god and now just yeah and now just sitting here in conversation with you thinking that is who you are that is who I am this searching all my work this this finding yourself in the abstraction yes I think that's what people connect to as well I think a lot of my audience views me as someone being very transparent and Mm. vulnerable and I don't know what the f I'm doing but I'm so transparent about how I don't know what I'm doing and I never ask for permission. Yes. And I think that courage really resonates with a lot of people, even though I'm not an expert at what I'm doing ever. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that because you don't ask for permission, that gives other people permission yes. to not ask for permission yes. too. Yeah. Wow. And that is something I, I mean, I'm not going to fanboy too much, but that is something that I really admire and jewel. So yeah, I hope (laughs) that that energy radiates through this podcast that you don't need to ask for permission permission, and that nobody knows exactly what they're doing. Because I think maybe if people see where you are right now, because you have your art business you have you're now delving into plants and you also still do choreography I think it's easy to see you know through Instagram the the highlights of where you are now in this moment but there is so much that has brought you to that moment so much layers to this um and for those like I know Paul introduced me but for those who are listening in and learning about Jewel for the first time, I am a painter. A lot of my work is currently, and my business is currently about uh, queer representation, body positivity, feminism. And you really see that in my work and the fluidity and how I even paint represents all of my, the way I explore my life and the way that I explore just the fluidity of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh my God, I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> We also have matching ocean tattoos. <gasps> so when we looked at each other and talked about the flow of life. Come on, flow. Uh, <laughs> yes. Were there any, because I know, at least oh, from yes. what I've seen, yeah, that move to LA really signaled this shift. big shift of, yeah. Of, Huge transition. Let's go back. Let's go yeah, backwards. Let's do that. Because that's a really big part. So, uh, I lived in New York for, I want to say like 
four to five years. I can't count right now, but I moved to LA three years ago. Mm. Hit my three-year mark in wow. June. Congrats. Go on. <laughs> um, and I was in a very long-term relationship at the time when I was in New York. And then when I moved to LA, I was a free woman. And I knew that I uh, identified as not straight. And mm. I didn't know what to call that at the time. I just knew I wasn't straight. And this was like the perfect moment for me to explore my identity, my sexuality. And I've always been very, very open and very explorative and very creative. So I knew that I wanted to explore those spaces. Uh, And I had met a group of folks who introduced me to what queerness was. And that word queer, which I already knew existed, didn't mean anything to me until I moved into L.A. And then I was like, oh, queer is not a box, like lesbian or bisexual, or I used to identify as pansexual, uh, but I also still felt like that was slightly limiting just because when you think of pansexual, there's like this notion of, oh, they like everybody, but it's not that it's, I am attracted to whoever I connect with and, uh, I look every I look through a non-binary lens, so it doesn't really matter what your gender is. It's the connection I have behind it. I also don't really I believe in gender, but I don't believe in gender. I don't. I you want to like, yeah, talk? You want to talk about that? Like... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, growing up as Filipino or Filipina or whatever, we we're kind of born into like the structure of like male and female and like our roles as a male and female. And I grew up with amazing, loving parents. However, you know, financially we were the best. I would say we were middle-class. There's a lot of addiction in the background. Mm. Uh, so it looked like on the surface, we were really good and happy. However, I felt like at one point of my life, that I had to be independent because my parents could not afford to pay for me, my college, my school, um, and just the lifestyle that I knew as a young kid I wanted to live. So I was really independent as a young kid. I got my first job when I was like 14, even though it was like only- I think that's legal. I think so, (laughs) maybe 13. I don't really remember. It was legal for sure. Yes, yes. It was like a camp counselor. So, you know, it's kind of like a half job. That was my first job too. Really? At a day cap in Jersey. It was like $6 an hour or something. (laughs) Or like a cap of 200 for like your week. (laughs) And then maybe tips from the families. And definitely tips from the family. (laughs) Um, So growing up, I was already understanding that, okay, I have to be independent. I know that I'm super motherly. And I also know that monetarily, I can't depend on a man. However, my mother is the complete opposite, depends Mm -hmm. on my dad for everything. So they're fighting addiction, gambling addictions. I'm really going in here, by the way. Yeah, and thank you for sharing (laughs) whatever you're comfortable with. I'm sure it's going to reach someone, yeah. Um, And my mom grew up knowing that she wanted a man to take care of her. And I'm so grateful that I never adopted that mindset because it's super easy to, but because I started working hard from the beginning, I was a really diligent, hardworking child. It never resonated with me. And it just always felt good earning what I deserve. And as I grew up, 
I was like, okay, cool. So I don't need a man, independent woman. Great. So what do they, what do they, what do they, what do I need them for? Mm. To re- <laughs> <laughs> to procreate, <laughs> to reproduce. <laughs> um, so I was introduced to a significant other when I was in LA uh, who was trans and non-binary and they really introduced to me what that meant and mm. what that looked like and using the they them pronouns uh, was new for me but I knew that that also existed but it also just made sense to treat another human just like another human and like the whole gender identity didn't matter and I've always known it never mattered for me, but this was me in practice with someone who was identifying as non-binary. And so I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. It's so fluid. I feel like I could still own my role as like this independent woman. And here my partner at the time was also going through their own transition mm-hmm. who also enjoyed the fact that I was so independent and embraced it and didn't depend on me, but loved that part of me. And it just felt really good having all those things combined. So you would always think of like Filipino or Filipina with like a, like, what do you, what do you think of when you think of Filipino or Filipina? There's always like a binary identity, right. Right. And gender norms. Yep. For a long time, I didn't want to correct anyone about my last name. It's spelled sales, but it's Sales. And I never corrected anybody because I just felt so um, ashamed to correct someone, one. Mm. Uh, two, it just always felt like it's fine. It's America. You pronounce it like that in America. And then... Uh, Three, it also, and I didn't know this until maybe like a year and a half ago that I was, this was definitely like my like internal colonization, like, you know, all of that yeah. is just like, like internalizing yes, it. Yes, internalizing it. So that was, um, that was a discovery for me. And when I think of Philippine X, it doesn't have like that box mm. the same way that like gender roles or genders or ide- gender identities have boxes. And I think that's why I resonated with queer so much because I didn't have a box with the word queer. And for those who don't know what queer means, yes. it literally just means you're not straight. It doesn't mean you're attached to any type of uh specific significant other or human you're just you're just queer and that's what's great the whole abstract like not knowing what that means is just like on its own like freedom in itself right and again that intertwines with like my exploration of movement our ocean tattoos (laughs) yes the flow yeah it's so fluid and that's what philippine x feels like to me it's fluid and no one needs to know what that means except for me yeah and, and that's enough yeah and that's enough oh that's enough <laughs> that is enough i think maybe that that'll be today's theme yes and that is enough oh we're gonna talk all about that <laughs> um yeah and especially you know a lot of the things you 
spoke of really, at least for me, resonated. Even the idea of last name, like my last name is Joe Chico or assumed pronunciation because it starts with a J, Mm -hmm. but it's actually an H like Javier. So it's Ho Chico. And I'm only now during this quarantine, you know, during this couple of months starting to embrace the pronunciation, the heritage. I mean, a lot of it is because there are parts with my um, patrilineal, my dad's side that I I don't know a lot about, but yeah, the the Salas, Jochico versus like sales and and that Hachiko. makes a big yeah. difference. Yeah, representation matters. Yeah. Acknowledgement, of acknowledgement. Who you are in like the authenticity of your name, your yes. gender, your sexuality, your heritage, your last oh my name. God, it's all about all identity. Of is, yeah, yes. all of that matters, and all of it is connected. So. Yeah, I hope everyone's taking notes because there's a lot. Already. There's a lot. I know. I was like <laughs> trying to get my thoughts organized. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering like with the whole, in that topic of identity and representation, how has that shown up for you as an artist, an entrepreneur of claiming the authenticity of your identity in this moment versus what might be, you know, more easily palatable or, or normative. Yeah. And how, how does that brush up against where you are right now? Well, that's what my business started out from. I, again, explored my queerness in LA during my first years. And that was an exciting moment. And I wanted to continue to explore those spaces, but there were not enough spaces. So a lot of my work is, okay, great. Here's the part of me that doesn't know what she's doing, but just wants to jump and not going to ask for permission because I'm enough being queer and I'm just going to, I know how to create businesses. I know how to create like teaching workshops. Like why not? So I started a paint and sip. Yes. <laughs> the paint and sip is catered specifically for the LGBTQ community Oh, excuse me, LGBTQ plus mm. community and for uh, Black, Indigenous people of color because the spaces that I work, that I was visiting was predominantly white spaces or gay spaces. And when you think of gay spaces, like there's like a lot of gay men, love y'all, love y'all, love y'all, <laughs> just needed more. I needed more, yeah. <laughs> more femininity, more of that. And so when I started my pain and sip, that was, uh, empowering and it was it sold out great yes (laughs) and it's insane because i didn't even know that many queer folks in the community you just talk about it and you talk about it a lot and a lot and a lot and again not ask permission it's fine someone's gonna just want it someone's looking for you they end up showing up it sold out actually it was over capacity and i had to add more seats because I didn't even want to say no to to the folks that were coming in. And I made it affordable. That was another thing. Marginalized folks need spaces that are affordable and not capitalizing. And yes, I believe in pay yourself, pay your value. Mm -hmm. Uh, I made sure that was enough for me to feed me and then to feed them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that started when? In February. Wow. Yeah. And it is 
what's what's this month? September. September. I started yeah. my business in February. Um, I'm wondering what that transition was like for you in February to go from after. Yeah, because you <laughs> I mean, how long have you been in LA now? How many years? It's yeah. been three years. Three years, so like three yeah. years in LA, and then just in this past year, going full entrepreneur. How have those big shifts been? Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not just including this current shift of the whole world. <laughs> I I feel very guilty that I am in a great space in this very strange pandemic that is happening in front of us. It was hard. I saw how successful that event was. I saw the potential. And when the pandemic hit in March, which I had already planned another pain and sip event for both March and April, I was like, great, we need to restructure. We need to be creative again. What am I gonna do? And in that time I had all this like used poster paper that was gonna go to the trash and I was like, Let's just like paint and relieve the stress. And because again, I'm so transparent on my social media, I post everything and I posted my paintings. And then this influencer was like, are you selling these? And I was like, mm, I mean, I can, <laughs> here's an opportunity. And she was like, I want to buy all of them. Wow. And I was like, whoa, okay. So I can sell these too. Wow. I didn't even know this was an option for me in this pandemic. So I sold it to her and a very, very low value, but I was just like, this is incredible. I can sell paintings. And so I started to sell just like paintings on used repurposed paper and everyone's all about sustainability. So they mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. And my paintings were super simple. So it was easy to resonate with and to understand and to look at. And I didn't make a lot of sales the first two months, but I think I was bringing the awareness of one, my identity as a queer artist and painter. And I did go to art school, FYI, for those who are wondering, (laughs) I went to Rutgers University, Mason Gross, the only college I applied to, FYI. Wow. (laughs) I know. She's sure of herself. (laughs) I wasn't. I, my parents were like, you got to go to college and what school are you going to choose? And I was like, well, I don't want to move out of my house because I want to save money. I was always about saving money, mm. scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. And I was like, well, Rutgers is closest. It's 30 minutes away. And then they were like, okay, well, you have to go to college. So what is your subject? And I was like, I don't know. I like art. I just go to school for art. <laughs> and I was always really artistic as a kid, but it wasn't like I embodied that as a child or even as like an identity or as like a a title and then I went to art school and I actually went for graphic and design and then I took a paint class as an elective Mm -hmm. which I was terrible at to be honest I was terrible at painting we use oil colors which is a lot harder to use you need like mineral spirit you need to be an invented like location and everyone was so talented around me and I had one portfolio that had just drawings and I don't know how I got accepted because I also don't think I'm a good drawer (laughs) so it was like a lot of like 
again, imposter syndrome, mm. not being sure. And now here's where the money problems come back in. We couldn't afford the college. It was a university. And like, we didn't have student loans or uh, we didn't have enough of an income. So I dropped out of art school. So that just felt like a waste of my years and a waste of money. That's what I thought. Mm. Here I am as a 28-year-old. <laughs> yes. Proud 28-year-old. Proud 28-year-old reintroducing the inner child back in. And it is now what I feel the most connected to. It's what's connecting to other folks around um, my business. and. It's, it's how I'm thriving. It's how I'm thriving in this weird pandemic. I'm sending art to people. I'm making commissions of like portraits, their lovers, their brothers, their grandmas, and it, their best friends. It's just, it's so great. I don't have to convince anyone to say yes. They're watching and they're just like, I want a piece of it. I want it. And it's so rewarding. Ugh. That's so beautiful. I think, yeah, that whole idea, that theme going back to the permission (laughs) that, you know, if you put yourself out there in your, in the fullness of who you are, in the full authenticity of who you are, that's going to resonate with people. And you don't have to follow this model of trying to hit the most people because you will hit the people that, that need that and feeling need it, that yeah. want that, that's looking for you and that's another thing too I posted about this the other day but I was like you don't need so many followers if mm. you have just your true 100 1000 followers that's enough for you to quit your job <laughs> which I did she by did. the way in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> how crazy I quit my job not long ago, and I am like full-on entrepreneur, literally just making paintings and portraits, and I am just so fulfilled, and mm. there's so much creative creative ways that you can play with business. Like, I don't have to just be painting portraits. I can have workshops, which is tapping into my teaching, which I love, and then there's also like these flea markets, and that's a huge opportunity And because I came from sales, I was a retail manager, by the way, I am really used to speaking sales, Mm -hmm. giving them their jewel, jewel in 10 seconds. The jewel experience. (laughs) The jewel experience. (laughs) And you have to create value for yourself. For someone who doesn't know you and they're just walking into your space for the first time, you have to talk about why you're valuable to them. And that part can be really hard for folks who are not in sales, mm. but it was easy for me because I understood that structure and you just really have to connect with them as humans. And they love the experience of just connecting with someone and talking and like just having this genuine authenticity in front of them and they'll buy it because it's an experience that they bought. Right. And the painting is just a representation or whatever product you have. So it's yeah. really neat. <laughs> Yeah, I love that idea of the your the thing that you're providing is that service and the thing that they're getting from it is their memory. It's really just like yeah. the recollection. I think that's a, yeah, I think we have this kind of theme in our lives of yes. the yeah, that that like resonating, sparking joy yes. kind of feel. And yes. that's what the thing that is gonna 
make people come back. That's the thing that's going to make people tell their friends about yes. the experience that they had with you. Oh. It's beautiful. I actually am thinking about this recent customer I had who I painted a portrait for her and her grandma. Mm. And she sent me the video of her grandma opening it and she's speaking Tagalog and she's just like, oh, that's me and that's me and Bang. Oh, I'm the lemon and she's the lime. I know the outfits. She knew the picture. She knew exactly what moment it was. And it was the most precious thing ever. I was just like, oh my God, this is why I do it. Because you guys, just you guys get to connect with each other and I'm your catalyst. And it's just so rewarding. (laughs) I wonder how things are showing up for you these days like how imposter syndrome like is that still something that you feel as somebody who is you know has started her own business now do you still feel that today yeah (laughs) (laughs) I feel that in a lot of ways I feel that in how I identify as Philippi next you know because I'm not identifying as non-binary and that space or word was reserved for those who are in, who are trans or non-binary, non-conforming. So to embody that identity feels almost like I'm stealing. So that's why I want to acknowledge that this word is, yes, part of my identity, but I also am aware where it came from. Um, so a lot of my imposter syndrome comes there. I am in a beautiful relationship with a hetero cis man so part of me using the identity queer feels nerve-wracking and Mm. to introduce my partner as a cis man is hard for me I know and it's so weird because I (laughs) I obviously was in a very long-term relationship with this man and I am still in a long-term relationship with him and it was like my five six years of me introducing him as my boyfriend at the time so (laughs) here I am now like screaming I'm queer and here with a yeah it's confusing for a lot of folks and Mm. I know that I'm probably being judged by a lot of people I know that and that is a part of me that struggled a lot and I I'm really proud of my partner. So I'm not going to hide that. And I love him so, so much. So I almost have to keep reminding myself that I can't let others identify queerness for me because that's not what queer is, you know? And I know what education I'm teaching for those, the folks who are in my space or who are in the same shoes, who may be queer or closeted and also have a straight partner that they're in love with, like, that's okay, too. That's, you're not, you don't need to ask permission to love another person. And that's what queerness is for me. So that's a lot of my sin, imposter syndrome comes from that, too. Um, yeah, entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, my parents have always taught us to have a degree and make mm. six figures as, like, a medical something, <laughs> engineer (laughs) um and it's always been a goal to get my dad to acknowledge my work ethic and how I provide for myself and he's super proud of me 
for having my own business and encourages it. So it's not like I still have their voices in reality Mm -hmm. telling me you're not enough, you know? So it's just so deeply embedded. I still get really fearful to be like, Oh yeah. What do you do? Oh, I'm an artist. What? How do you make money? You know, (laughs) that's always a question I get so scared of. (laughs) Or just so yeah, the, that comparison effect of just like, (laughs) yeah, the way that, you know, maybe it's generational, but the generation of our parents, the chismis or gossip where, you know, people have their family's value in the accomplishment tied to the accomplishments of their children. And then those accomplishments instead of being celebrated maybe for what they are they're used as a ruler comparison for their kids it's a ruler yeah wow and i think yeah for me i was somebody who very prescribed into this model minority myth or american exceptionalism of yeah trying to be the best one out there and i was an only child too so i definitely feel that and then you know there's a plus of getting the praise acknowledgement but then you know, if you take a step back out of yourself and realize that other people's families are being compared to you, like whether you like it or not, the, yeah, and the impact of that. That's so true. Uh, I, before we go into our rapid questions, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that, that is calling you in this moment that you want to you know, bring to the conversation? Well... I do want to give advice to those out there who are struggling to find their identity. And also I understand if you have maybe have judged yourself for having to claim an identity or afraid to claim an identity. I just want to let you know you have full permission to claim whoever you are and that's totally okay because identity is personal and you don't have to announce it to the world and if you know your identity you know how you're going to move through the world so that's okay I'm just more vocal about who I am (laughs) yeah and it's got me places (laughs) it's true and um, that's also it's going to be different it's going to show up different in other people's journey yes yes yeah. I mean, the thing that comes to mind is the we had a little talk before, a little pre-show talk, but we talked about this idea of meeting people where they're at and the yes. idea of sometimes people aren't at that level of consciousness or awareness yet. Yes. And it's not your, even if you are, you know, you perceive yourself to be at a more advanced level of consciousness it's not your job to bring that person there right at the second because right. they have to get there for themselves. Right. And they're looking for you. Yeah. They're looking for you. If you, it's not up to you to come up with the idea that they're looking for you, but they're, the people who are looking for you will find you because they're searching for someone to resonate with. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Or is there any other advice that you would give someone who is maybe feeling drawn to the 
entrepreneurship part oh, of your yeah. journey. Yeah. Especially yes. these days, if somebody oh, has like this idea that they have in their head. Make sure when the idea comes, jump. <laughs> like it's, it's like a muse, right? Mm. You only have a moment to capture it. And when you do capture it, then the momentum will build. So, but it's up to you. You can allow it to keep progressing within time. And, and sometimes it's that muse is going to be like, okay, you're not paying attention to me. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do have an idea or a spark, do it as soon as you can. Even if you don't know what you're, what, what you're doing, you're going to figure it out because yes. you're passionate about it and you're going to need to figure it out to know how to tell someone else about it. <laughs> so the lessons are going to show up as you look for those answers. And second, there's someone out in the world already jumping on ideas mm. and it might be your idea and you might have your million, billion trillion dollar idea if you don't jump on it someone else will but if they do they're not going to do it like you so it's never too late I know I said a lot there (laughs) yeah no I mean I hope people are taking notes because I think that also taps into the themes that we're talking about I think one of the things I'm hearing in that last one is the whole scarcity mindset thing where sometimes you might see somebody who's doing something similar and think you know that space has already been taken up and you're gonna want to give up yeah but because you're so unique as an independent and as as an individual no one is gonna do it like you want to do it or how you're gonna do it so that makes it different on its own no matter how similar it might feel yes highlight underline this last 15 seconds for your (laughs) life play this as a motivational thing the first thing in the morning I love that yeah Hmm. so we like to end off the podcast with a couple of rapid fire questions this is just you know whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind you don't have to think too much about it Um, the first one is what is your favorite Filipino word what is it and why does it have that I'm not Cool. <laughs> and it can be word. oh really oh, I, thought, I thought that was your thinking install. no that's my favorite word I drop something I go that's always my that's my word every time my coworkers know that word now wow <laughs> so let people know what, what does it mean Ay, Nicole, by the way means oh my goodness well it can mean oh my god but I, I yeah I, in my brain it's oh my goodness <laughs> that's funny it was there do you have like a memory tied to it where like Oh yeah! Oh my god! I'm sure people. there's a lot. Yeah, of yeah. <laughs> all my titas, my my parents, everybody. I know. Go. They always end it with They always have like other words. <laughs> there's like a monologue. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't swear, so mm. that's kind of like my version of swearing. <laughs> I think we have that in common. Yeah, I don't really swear either. I don't know if it's maybe like our upbringing. Oh my god, you don't. Yeah, you probably noticed. I mean, so this podcast has the explicit. I registered it as explicit because, you know, I don't want to censor. Yeah, I don't want to censor anyone's voice. But yeah, that's so funny because I personally don't feel called in that way. And for me, I think I feel the curse is a curse like uh <laughs> as a calling of negative energy oh wow I, never thought of that. I mean that's how I think about it now it's yeah. like I don't want to call negativity upon somebody because I do believe in this like 
greater karmic, you know, yeah. idea. Wow. Yeah. I love that. But, you know, if you feel passionate. Oh, yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> go you're, for you're it. You're allowed to. Yeah. Again, express no yourself. Permission. Yeah. Yeah. Express yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another one is, how is Kapwa showing up in your life? And for those who haven't heard before, this podcast is called Kapwa Conversations. And Kapwa is the indigenous Filipino, Filipinox wisdom of shared inner self. Filipino, you know, oh, I mean, like, it's everything that I am. I don't really know mm. how else I can explain it. It's how I grew up, the family that I know, why I'm so family oriented, why I love so hard. I love very hard. <laughs> mm. Like, I feel like I encompass all of the love languages, but I love very, very hard. And a lot of my partners in the past did not know how to handle how much I love them. <laughs> but that's a lot of like how Filipinos, you know, teach you to love and to grow up and to always give someone a lot of food. Mm, acts, of service. acts of service. Yeah. Uh, money. Oh my God. Money was always a conversation. Well, make sure you pay for that. Make sure da, 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 da. that was always a thing. And just everywhere in my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's important that you that it's so ingrained in it's who you are. It's so ingrained. Yeah. Because it's I not always the it. case. Yeah. Yeah. And wisdom wise, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I learned a lot from watching my parents. Mm. I learned a lot from understanding their hardship and how that's not my life, how I didn't grow up like that. And the different opportunity that I have that they want me to grab and capture. And even though they might not understand it, I also understand that they didn't come from that place and that I have a whole different mindset of like what opportunity looks like. So watching that growing up and now transitioning into my adult life, this is what I came out to look like. <laughs> yes, and that's Kapwa. That's Kapwa. Yes. Uh, and the last one, so good. <laughs> and the last one is, what is the biggest lesson that I'm learning these days? Oh, this is such a theme in this podcast. But it, <laughs> it's really not asking for permission. Mm, it's yeah. it's owning whatever you feel like is your authentic you. And it is embodying what that feels like and that feeling comes from a thought and that thought becomes your reality so yeah it's asking it's not asking for permission who needs to tell you how to live your life and for those who are not in this mindset I understand also it's okay if you're not there and if you are also looking to expand on that there are plenty of resources so there is also youtube university which means find it on youtube <laughs> find it on a podcast there are so many like-minded folks that if you are not surrounded by those spaces and those people you can find them outside so whether you are afraid to jump and I know not asking for permission sounds so simple, but it's not easy. And I get that too. You can find ways to get there. 
Hmm. Yes. And I, if you're listening to this, if you've been called to this episode, you know, I hope that this series, the show can be a resource for you to see that there are people like Jewel and like the other people who are going to be on this series who are not asking for permission. They are really unapologetically being, yeah, their truest self. And then that that is resonating with people. And that's why these people are so successful and they just attract, yeah, they, they attract that abundance, so. And one more thing I wanna speak on is courage. Hmm. Courage does not mean you need to know what you're doing. Courage is the confidence in just the jump part. You don't have to have confidence. Confidence means you know what you're doing. Courage means you're just going to do it. You're just going to find the strength and the energy to just do it. And when you're on the other side, you're just kind of forced to figure it out. (laughs) And it may be a beautiful other side. Yeah. Enjoy that courage and taking that first step. Yes. And if people want to stay connected with you, how can they, yeah, how can they find you? Yes. Find me at at Jewel Salas, J-E-W-E-L, Salas, S-A-L-E-S. Or if you want a piece of art, or if you want to view my little art gallery, you can find it on jewel-salas.com or DM me at Jewel Salas Art on Instagram. Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much, Jewel. Yes, thank this you. Amazing. This was great. And that was today's episode. Thank you so much to Jewel for joining the conversation. All the info mentioned for her art and other offerings will be included in the show notes. If you like what you heard and feel called to connect further, subscribe, leave a five-star review for the podcast, and follow us on Instagram at kapwa.yoga. We host an IG Live after show the Monday following this episode release, and it's a great place for you to be involved and be in the conversation with us. This podcast is a part of Kapwa Yoga, a movement and mindfulness practice that integrates my background in dance, yoga, and organizational psychology. You can check out our website, www.kapwa.yoga, to find out more about our services. A special thank you to Uga for the theme song and episode production. You can find him on Instagram at O-O-G-A-H dot X-Y-Z. Thank you for listening. Maraming salamat. And catch you in the next conversation.